The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Finally! What's going on everyone? The intro music is correct for the very last time of 2018 this is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast i am the host of this podcast omega luke and i'm very excited to bring to you today my 2018 end of year top five highs and lows from the world of wrestling i hope you had a wonderful christmas by the way and and uh got everything you wanted from santa and i hope you all have a very good new year too um if you have not yet checked out the episode I did with Wilfred for our role players new feature episode that will be exclusive to the Patreon page in the future. Go check out, it is a lot of fun. We basically picked wrestlers who we thought would role play as the Avengers from my favorite, probably one of my favorite films ever. Uh, the Avengers, obviously, coming out in 2012. Go check it out. We also have coming up very soon, if it hasn't been already, on Wilfred's page. And I'll probably have the link for that episode on my Patreon as well uh, to release, to listen to, of Friends, the TV show for role players, as the very last freebie that we are going to give to you guys, just to see if it is something that you would be interested in, a free taster session but thank you all for your top fives that you sent me a lot of great answers from twitter and speaking of twitter to join me on this end of year special is a guy that if you aren't following on twitter yet you probably will be by the end of this episode because his opinions are great his name is jpq jonathan pilquist who is part of the omega club john was the first ever patreon member shout out to wilfred Anthony and of course the lovely Courtney who followed in John's footsteps of supporting the podcast by joining the Patreon page and becoming part of the Omega Club as well. Courtney will be joining me on Thursday's episode of Omega Luke um, for the Wrestle Kingdom special by the way and I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who supported me so far on my very small journey through 2018. I've loved every minute of it but I'm still nowhere near where I want to be. I want to grow, I want to get more incredible guests for you to listen to, more of your voices heard from the wrestling community and more fantasy bookings in 2019. And for those of you interested of the Fantasy Booking League, it is at a weird point right now where only Math and Royally Rumbled can qualify for the final. And they are against each other. 
in their last remaining matches in Block B. And therefore I've spoken to the remaining competitors and they've decided not to worry about their other bookings, which is why the league is taking a bit of a break over the holidays. But next week, we'll be back with that Math versus Royley Rumbled match. Winner, of course, faces Mason Adams in the final, who has already qualified from A Block. And speaking of fantasy booking, I'm very excited to announce. If you haven't seen my tweet yet, I have a new design made for me, which will become a t-shirt as well on my Pro Wrestling Tee store. Uh, you just need to search for Mega Luke or search through the podcast section to find it. Of the king of fantasy booking. And fuck me, is it gorgeous. So check that out. I, if I remember, I'll try and remember to pin it to my page on Twitter so you can see that at Omega underscore Luke. It's unbelievable. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous. I cannot wait to see what you guys think of it because I haven't actually posted it yet as I'm recording this. Right, let's get cracking. Make sure to do all the good stuff like subscribing and sharing this episode. And over to me and JPQ. Hi, I'm Bruce Pritchard. This is Conrad Thompson. And you're listening to the Omega Loop Podcast. Hey everyone, I am here with Patreon member John. He was my first ever Patreon, a constant supporter of the Omega Luke podcast and an absolute god on Twitter as well. John, firstly, thank you very much for all your support, but secondly, welcome to Omega Luke podcast. Hey man, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolute pleasure to have you on. I've been looking forward to doing this for a very long time. We're here today for a bit of a special end of year review. Um, We're going to look at our top five highs and lows of 2018 in the world of wrestling uh, there's so many ones that i think i ended up leaving off because there's just quite a lot of options really you probably had the same sort of situation too um but hopefully we're similar in ways because as we've had very two very different uh years in wrestling but <laughs> a bit of variety some extra talking points and maybe a couple of different ones that'll be quite good what do you think i think i think we're in for uh for something special here for Definitely. sure first of all john as an overall thing, how do you feel 2018 in the world of wrestling was maybe compared to 2017 in previous years? Oh, goodness. Um, with regards to previous years, I think this is a benchmark year. It's yeah. got to be, right? I agree. It's, from everything that's going on uh, independently, as well as even in WWE, the UK market, the Japanese market, the interest from the internet community, the mainstream success they're having, I mean... I'd be remiss if I didn't say that this is as good of a year as you can have since 2001. Yeah. Right? It's got to be. Yeah. I mean, the I don't know whether it's because I've started a podcast or I've really sort of focused on wrestling a lot more than uh, my other loves like football and, and comic books and stuff. But this year, I've noticed there's been so many like benchmark things that have happened and so many... Um, maybe not even benchmark things as well, but sort of like rises in in popularity, such as uh, the indie scene. I feel like it's thrived even more than we had in 2017. Um, I feel like obviously we've had NXT UK was a massive deal uh, when that got announced. And and, and so far it's been a success and I'm I'm looking forward to the takeover and stuff like that. Progress, the the indie scene like you touched on there in general, Companies like Progress are absolutely okay. thriving. Um, and the, yeah, the Japanese scene, I mean, what a year for New Japan. Some people have not... I think the hardcore New Japan guys, um, maybe Japanese audience, have not been that pleased with 
all the goings on with the elite and, and, and a lot of the Western wrestlers coming over. But uh, I don't know about you, John, but the quality of matches that we've had this year in, in New Japan, has just been outstanding really, isn't it? Yeah, outstanding is the perfect word. It's yeah. one of those things where New Japan's always been very, very good with how they lay out their matches. Um, I can't speak too much on how Japanese fans feel about the product, uh, but my sense is following it the last couple years, from a global standpoint, it's the biggest it's ever been. Yeah, yeah, you cannot deny that. We've even had sort of um, this year has been... I want to say a breakout year, but mainly because I didn't know myself about it before in 2017. But the Australian scene and the New Zealand scene, uh, have you noticed anything like this year, how that's been thriving? I, I think World Series, something like that, wrestling, something like that. Um, I've seen a big rise in, in the Australian indie scene. I, yes and no. So if you were to ask me in 2017 if I knew any Australian wrestlers that weren't to Neil Dashwood, I would tell you that I don't. Um, <laughs> but, but with Robbie Eagles and a couple other people kind of coming up through the ranks, there's 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 a a groundswell coming out of uh, that country, and I'm excited to see what they do moving forward. But I don't know terribly too much about it, so I'm gonna have to look that one up when we get off here. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's begin then. I think what the what's best way to do it, I think, would be to go one low, one high and go it taking turns and, and do it that way and so we're not being all negative at one point and people switch <laughs> off thinking we're just being too negative or we're not being ultra positive and then end the the episode on a low. We'll um we'll go back and forth and keep it a little bit juicy that way. Um Yeah, I like it. Ah, uh, good. I I'm gonna go first and then I'll let you have sure. your one second. Um mainly because this low for me, I don't want to cover it that much. Um but it is been a low for me in general, I try and stay away from the political side of wrestling. I I try to focus more on wrestling itself and, and stay away from what's going on backstage. But unfortunately for me, one of the biggest lows this year and fifth place, we're gonna we're gonna go in order by the way, guys. Listen, we're gonna rank them in order. The the fifth low for me would be the scandals. So you got like the, the big cast, Enzo Amore, uh the James Ellsworth thing that came out recently. Um to me, that was that was a low, and it's not something I like to see or hear. Um, obviously, wrestlers have their private lives, and, and scandals like this do come out, happens every year. But to me, we had it, it got highlighted too much on Twitter, and, and people were arguing with with amongst themselves, and that's that's mainly the low for me. Um, I don't know about you, John, but I don't like I like the wrestling community when they're happy. And everyone, not necessarily agrees, because no one agrees. Wrestling is very um, subjective to me. But when it's a case of it's a scandal and it's affecting real, uh, like real lives, that's when I try and stay away. Um, what about you? I'm on the same page with you in the sense that it's been a very uh, scandal-driven year. Yeah. And there's a piggyback effect when you're on social media of either part of the information or it, in some cases all the information and then people aren't taking full account of what happened and then they just start forming their own opinions i like the discussion yeah i like discourse i think it's uh it makes you a better person it makes you think uh about what's going on in the world sometimes though it gets a little combative and when it gets combative it's usually when i check out yeah so you want to have a discussion about a certain scandal 
you want to say this is true, this is not true, here's the proof, here's not the proof. I'm a facts guy. Yeah. So you can provide me an argument and, and have the supporting data to back that up. I'm probably going to side with you. But if it's, hey, this is happening, or hey, I'm going to draw my own conclusion and, and forward that narrative, and you don't have the facts to back it up, well, then you're just stirring the pot. And that's not beneficial to either side. Definitely. Um, let's skip on from that one then because like I said I don't really want to talk about it too sure. much but um, sure. I'm glad you're sort of on the same page with me Absolutely. what is your number 5 low for the year of 2018 so my number 5 low for the year and it's something that can't be controlled I just felt it was a theme um, that we saw over the course of 2018 and that's the injuries across yes. every single promotion so just to rattle off a couple um, Joey Ryan, yeah, Joey Janela, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Becky Lynch, Cody, Alexis Bliss, or Alexa Bliss, Haramu Takahashi, Samoa Joe, January 9th before Rumble, yeah, right. What's so frustrating about these names in particular, but other ones as well, is that it stalled storylines. Yes, it stalled pushes. It creates this. From a booker perspective, it creates this where do we go now pivot, which then leads to tepid responses from the audiences. Yeah. Right? So when you had Samoa, it looks like maybe it was going to be John Cena at Royal Rumble or a path leading that way. Then we got Undertaker, Cena in a squash match yeah. at Mania. Right? Uh, look what Harama was doing prior to the Dragon. And I don't put the blame on Dragon Lee. It is what it is. It yeah. happens. But look at what happened um there and the momentum lost and 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 what what's going to happen with Rama moving forward Kevin Owens the heat that he had sitting in that ring with Elias two weeks prior to him going on uh, to him going on the shelf again it's just you have these ebbs and flows and you kind of have to deal with them which is why it's number five but yeah. boy did we take what could have been 2018 on top of a benchmark year if these injuries didn't happen at the rate that they did yeah Definitely. Um, I've also got injuries in my list as well, a little bit higher up. Nice, um, like I said, we're, we're, some of these are going to be similar. But one thing that I, you can turn a negative from a positive with injuries is the return. If you get a good injury return, it's a massive crowd pop. Um, if you do it the right way, they, came in, they come in, especially in WWE. I, I'm not too... I don't know. I'm not too knowledgeable about how New Japan bring in a lot of injured, bring back injured wrestlers um, before, right. uh, whether they're the same as WWE. But I'm going to go with the WWE example. Sometimes they get it spot on and they come in straight away. They come out to a big pop, a surprise pop, something like that. I love. Whereas if they get it wrong, for me, the Dean Ambrose one, they could have done that so much better. Mm-hmm. But it was too on the nose the week before. It was too uh, suggested he was coming back, and then they just announced it that he was coming back. Um, but yeah, that's 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 by the by. That's that's something that you know WWE can can get absolutely spot on. You know, we've seen it in the past. John Cena turns up four months before he's supposed to. What yep. a pop! Triple H back in two thousand and two. The 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 repercussions of injuries can be amazing for, for wrestlers, but it also can be a stopping point, like you said. 
Um, I like that one. Let's go on to my number five high for 2018 then. And this is more of a general um, one. This is the indie scene in general. We sort of touched on it um, earlier on in, in the introduction bit, how the indie scene is once again just growing. It's just constantly growing. And that is one of my highs this year because I've been to see more, well, I've been to see more indie shows this year than I've ever have in my life. Um, thankfully, there is a lot of great British wrestling companies. Um, there was even one in my local city of Plymouth. Um, I've done a few episodes on Reach Wrestling now. Um, I work with the managers there. They are an independent company which started this year. Um, and before that, Plymouth didn't have any. So the indie scene in general, progress especially, the uh, do they do everything, anything wrong? I, I haven't seen so far. Um, every chapter is amazing. Number five for me is the indie scene. Nice. I like that one. I, I'm in a grand. I have it a little higher on my list for different reasons. Yep. So I'll save it. <clears throat> but I'm with you on that. Definitely. What about your number five, John? Where, where are you going for? So my number five high of yes. 2018 is Carmella. Carmella from the WWE. Great shot. I appreciate everything that she's doing. Yeah. Um, if we can take it back through the year a little bit. So she won Money in the Bank the previous year in a controversial fashion. She held on to it you know, through the back end of 17 into 18. She utilized it against Charlotte. She won the title. At that point, in my opinion, and the opinion of what, I don't want to speak for the internet wrestling community, but I will, she was a diva. She yeah. wasn't a wrestler, right? And that was the perception of Carmella. And she played the diva role. She played a great chicken shit heel. She played a great um, antagonist with the screaming and the annoying and do anything to keep her title type of defense through the Asuka thing, to the point where even I was being a bit of a mark, not that there's anything wrong with that, with regards to Asuka losing in the Ellsworth Shark Cage match. Yeah. Like, how can you allow, over a two-and-a-half-month period, Asuka not to be Carmella? I mean, come on. She's so, not even a wrestler. Yeah. So for her to, I guess, shake that title, number one, is a testament to her skill set. But then to stay relevant coming out of that feud in July and still being talked about and being one of the best baby faces and then these transitions into the code of silence uh, submissions that she's doing in ring, I, can, I give her all the credit in the world. And I think she's been a bright spot on a very inconsistent product of WWE this year. Yeah, that submission, I love it. A lot I of absolutely love it. It's so, it is so Carmella like mm -hmm. there's no doubt but yeah i really like that um that pick to be honest john because carmella for me when she was with enzo and Cass in nxt how over they were um she was like the third party character although it yep. fit she fit the team very well with the the you know the gimmick that they had Staten um, Island princess yeah who would have thought that in 2018 she would be the biggest deal out of those three like it's it's ridiculous, and you're right. She's gone on such a journey this year. Um, I've never been a big lover of our truth. Um, I've always sort of said on here before. He blocked me on Twitter a few years ago. I <laughs> never liked him. Um, this year I do because 
of the connection, the chemistry that Carmela and, and our truth have. Um, I've loved, I love the dance break thing. It's a little bit of fun, just lightens the mood a bit in a very serious WWE right now. Um, we need a bit of fun because, you know, sometimes it is a bit pulling teeth and, you know, and <clears throat> this year that little bit of fun with Carmella and, and our truth is a complete contrast to when she was a chicken shit heel defeating Asuka and everyone was blowing up like what the fuck how can this happen how is she right. beating Asuka and yeah you're spot on I mean I like I've always liked Carmella because attract uh, like looks wise I find her very attractive as well sure but as a wrestler I think she's come on leaps and bounds just this year and she's shown us that she can be a great women's wrestler and I'm looking forward to 2019 with Carmella and see how long this our true thing goes on so Something that I didn't think about before. Um, yeah, you're right. That is a big positive this year. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one. Let's go on to my fourth low for uh, 2018 then. This is a bit of a two-in-one because it sort of happened um, together. And that is the Saudi Arabia deals with the legends sort of taking place as well. So we've had we had the greatest Royal Rumble and... Uh, I don't know about the Greatest Royal Rumble. To me, it didn't seem that bad back then. It just seemed like, okay, yeah, why wouldn't WWE do this? They're getting paid shitloads of money. Um, fair enough. Then the second one, the Crown Jewel. This just <coughs> seemed so ridiculous to me. I didn't even watch it because it was... We've just been promoting women's wrestling all year. We're, we're on the cusp of evolution. The arguably for the world the biggest wrestling event for women you know i i I hate it when people say oh it's not the first women's pay-per-view though that yeah i agree you know wwe should have been doing this a long time ago but from a viewer's perspective i've never seen personally i've never seen a women's pay-per-view because i've never tuned into one because of you know how you can and and the the internet and stuff like that Maybe that's a downside to me, but this is the first women's pay-per-view I've seen. And we they tried promoting that so hard, and this whole women's revolution thing, they put a massive spotlight on it, and to me, the Saudi Arabia deal just killed it. And then it made it worse by bringing back Shawn Michaels, bringing The Undertaker out of his year-long rest that he likes to have between manias, um, using Triple H and Kane as well. To me, I was not a fan of it. I was not interested in watching it, no matter how big of names they are. Um, and that's that's a downside to me. That's a low for me. What about you? Yeah, I agree uh, wholeheartedly. Uh, I actually didn't put uh, Crown Jewel on my list because I do try to avoid that conversation altogether. I think by bringing attention to it it just it's going to spur up different things and different people good bad or indifferent so i I left it off my list this year because uh it's not that it's controversial but i feel like we've talked about it enough especially when it was going on but i agree with everything that you're saying so from a women's evolution crown jewel you took away from the evolution by doing crown jewel i believe a couple weeks buff after Right? It was yeah. after. Yeah. It was after. Yeah, I think it was like uh, three weeks after. 
Yeah, it was like three weeks after. So it kind of felt like, you know, Stephanie McMahon coming out, doing the whole pageantry behind it, how, how, how important this is. And she was right. It was. It is. It's important. You're never going to find a bigger supporter of women's wrestling than me. Um, but it seemed like she was kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul as the weeks kind of went on. Yeah. It was more of a, um, you know, money under the table type transaction when this crown jewel stuff and then add everything that kind of was happening in the world at the same time and again it was one of those things that i was very disappointed in um wwe for that uh for, for keeping it i understand why they did um we can sit here and we can we can talk about all the pros and cons that come along with it but at the end of the day disappointment really is where i kind of fall on it um and so yeah it was a bummer it was a bummer one for sure but i agree it took away from the women in from the legends perspective, again, I don't have a problem with the cash grab for the talent. Go get your money. Yeah, but it was a bit patronizing. You know, I think is the right word there. Um, when it came to here, are all these stars from 20 years ago that you're going to put out and you're going to run a show that is 20 years past its prime. Yeah, and you're going to put it on the network, and we're supposed to buy into it. And then the marketing that went behind it, and the lack of marketing for Evolution, it was just kind of like. Come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it is what it is. Yeah, we even had Hulk Hogan, which I didn't even uh, bring up because I completely tried erasing that from my mind, but again, <laughs> made it even worse. Um, it did. What is your number four low for 2018, John? So my 2018 number four low is the creative ceiling that Raw or that they put on the Raw's women division. Yeah. So I think there's a tremendous amount of talent right there in Raw, uh, on the Raw women's roster. And I think bringing in Ronda and giving her the title as fast as they did. And this isn't a knock on Ronda, right? Ronda is what Ronda is. And we'll talk about her later. But by putting the title on her as fast as they did, now your Sasha's, your Bailey's, your Ruby Riots, your Riot Squad's, you know, they all are stuck in this kind of limbo yeah. for the majority of the back half of the year. And your heels, you know, your Alexa Blisses, your Bellas, your Nia Jaxes, they're never going to rise to the occasion of 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 that of, of being able to support that main event status with Rhonda the way a Sasha Banks could. Right? Yeah. The way a Ruby Riot has the potential of doing. Because people want that. So it created a very one-dimensional division for the back half of the year, and then interest wanes on the products overall because you know you're not really seeing what you want to see out of that you know half of the division. So yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point actually. Um, I'm glad she's put a spotlight on the Raw Women's because you are right; they put the title way too early on Ronda. I wanted to see a big year-long build of Ronda get into the top because one why should she go straight into wrestling and go straight to the top even if she is good enough um, but two you've got so many great women's wrestlers in the Raw division who have been in limbo for almost 12 months I mean you look at Ember Moon coming up I mean what mm -hmm. has Ember Moon really done since she's been brought up nothing and it's such a shame and I'll get on to um, other call-ups later on but 
Yeah, you're right. And the Riot Squad, they have so much potential to be amazing yeah. and be this chicken shit faction. Um, and no pun intended, but literally run Riot on the Raw division. And and um, and it's, you know, they're getting beat week in, week out now. Um, Night Jax for me is a bit of a weird one. Um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Night Jax, but I'm not a hater of her. I think you, if you use her in the correct way, um, she could be a very valuable asset to the Raw women's roster. But you look at how good the SmackDown side of it has been um, in the last sort of, well, since SummerSlam, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit before that Extreme Rules onwards with the whole Becky Lynch, um, Charlotte thing, Asuka now getting her time, uh, the Carmella, like we said earlier, and it's just completely yin and yang between the two. Um, so I'm glad you specified the raw side of it because, yeah, you're right. It hasn't been great. And we're just seeing too many tag matches for no reason. No reason. Because they don't know what to, they, they have nothing to they, they can't do anything with them. No. You know, that's that ceiling. So you can only get so high. And again, so, so if we break it down, I got a couple theories on this. Number one, Ronda is, I don't know what the contract and people might but i don't know the contract uh, details so maybe they only have it for two years they're going to get their money out of her so they put the title on her faster than they normally would yeah why they didn't do like a mr perfect vignette series with her of just this i say mr perfect because he had the best vignettes yeah but just week after week of training and intensity and nobody can touch me and all it's a missed opportunity yeah the naya part of it I don't mind that she feuded with Nia, the, but it goes back to the injuries. So if Nia didn't punch her in the face, Nia wouldn't have had all the heat, but she could have built this, in my opinion, a lesser scale, but you could have built this Hogan-Andre kind of, of feel. And I think that's the direction they were headed when she won the uh, Evolution Rumble yeah. uh, Battle Royale. And so, so they had to pivot because she knocked um, Becky uh, in the face. And then they played this facebreaker role. And when you play the facebreaker role, if you're not any good at promos, or you're not where you're, you need to be on those types of promos, it's going to come off flat, and it's going to be overworked. And she's not going to be able to sell it. And they're not going to trust in her, and that's exactly what happened. So that feud's going to fall to the wayside, and now Nia's going to get buried until her and Tamina start going after the tag team titles. Yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not a big fan. Yes, Ronda needs to be a face um, mm-hmm. being brought in. But the smiling, waving Ronda and, oh, hello, everyone, and, and all that. Up. No, I think she should be like a Pete Dunn. I think a Pete Dunn, Ronda Rousey, would be yes. so much better. Because you look at, as well, how Ronda has been booked. Um, yes, she gets cheered all the way through the year until it come up against Becky Lynch. Mm-hmm. And then we've seen who the audience really is backing. No one was cheering for Ronda. Everyone was cheering for Becky. And that was because she came across to, like, hello, everyone. And, you know, and people don't like that. At the minute, we're going through a stage. It's always like heaps and troughs, I, I feel, with um, the audience. We we look at the early 90s and you had the Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warriors, the, you, you know, everyone, the big faces, the big characters. Then you go to the Attitude Era and everyone loved the anti-hero, the Stone Coast, the Rocks. Everyone loves that sort of dickhead sort of thing. <laughs> then we went to the John Cena um, stage in the noughties again where it was, 
you know, everyone, I'm here for the fans, I'm here for that. And uh, the CM Punk stage was a very weird stage where we almost had a hibernation, a hybrid of both. Now we are in again the the stage of we like the badasses, we like the anti-heroes, with an exception to a few because I feel like people like Seth Rollins as a babyface is crushing it. Um, but that's probably because of how talented he is and stuff. But I feel like they, they've missed a trick here with having Ronda come in and trying to make her look vulnerable in certain situations. Um, we know she's the baddest woman on the planet. We've seen her beat people up in UFC. So trying to get sympathy out of us is sort of a bit like, we, we can see what you're trying to do, but I'm not buying it. Um, she's the baddest woman on the planet, and they gave her a gimmick. Yes. It's unbelievable. She didn't need one, did she? No. Nah, nah, I, I was okay with it at WrestleMania, the whole, you know, the, you get the, the, the Roddy... Rowdy uh, nomenclature, or nomenclature to your name, and that's good for a one-time thing. But when you got her going every night, just let her be Ronda. Yeah, especially because like she comes out wearing her UFC gear, right? So why not <laughs> keep her? I mean, when when you look back, did you watch UFC when Ronda was in UFC, John? Yes, I still do. Yeah, good. Did you ever see Ronda coming out with waving to the crowd, smiling, and hello everyone, and having pictures not and one bit? No. It didn't happen. I mean, take it back to Mania a couple of years ago with The Rock and the and the whole spot they did there. She was a badass. Yeah, she's wearing the Vegeta shirt over nine thousand. She's in the ring. She's she's got the face and she's selling that side. I I don't get it. No. I don't understand. But she is doing amazing. You know, she's yeah. She's again, it has nothing to, water. to do with her. It's how they're using her. Yeah, big difference. Completely agree. Uh, let's go now to the highs then. Um, Fourth on my high list. This is sort of an overall in the world of wrestling, and that is young talent. I feel like we are in a a stage, an era in wrestling where wrestlers are coming into their prime five years before they normally should. So, you know, we had a couple of years ago, we had Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate come on the scene, and we're like, oh my God, the, that, that guy's 18 years old, and he's that good. Now it's like, oh, that guy's 18. Cool. Like, we're used to it because we're seeing so many wrestlers, early 20s, really early 20s, still in their teens, like Jaya Brookside and, 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 and people like that, becoming professional wrestlers and being very fucking good at it. Um, in WWE, we're seeing someone like Velveteen Dream, Patrick Clark, who is absolutely smashing it. He is 23 years old and he is one of the most loved characters in NXT. You watch progress. Half of the roster is under is twenty five and under. We're seeing people getting pushed um, for titles, and they are barely twenty five years old. It's amazing to see. I'm absolutely loving it, and the fact that we're going to get people like Pete Dunne, like Tyler Bate, like um, Velveteen Dream for you'd like to think injury providing another fifteen years before they'd even consider looking at retiring makes me so fucking happy and that is because of how well they have um, developed in such a short space of time so young talent for me is a big up this year i love that i love that answer i think that's a great one that's spot on yeah the amount of talent that you know is under the age of 23 right now out there in the world it's incredible yeah and the only thing I can add to that is when WWE started buying up all of the talent um, worldwide, in a sense, both through NXT UK and and 
home base here in New York, it's one of those things where, yeah, what's going to happen in Ring of Honor? AEW starting, who are they going to sign? All these independents are going to go out. Sky's falling on the independent scene. Yeah. And all you got to do is watch uh, Rev uh, Revolver Pro um, Wrestling. All you got to do is watch um, GCW and see people like Jungle Boy and Tony Denard, uh, Phoenix, Pentagon Jr. They're all still relatively young, under the age of 25. Okada's only 31. Yeah. If you think about it, it's Yeah, crazy. he's been around for a good six years. Easily six years. I mean, he's yeah, he's been around forever. Sonata, I think, is only 24, somewhere in that range. So it, there's so much good talent out there. There's so much good talent coming up through the ranks. And yeah, Ring of Honor is going to have to evolve a little bit. And yeah, you know, it's going to take some seasoning of the of this talent to get themselves over. But the the raw talent is there, and it's going to be a very exciting thing as the years progress. So I agree, definitely. I'm glad you agree. What is your number four high for 2018? So my number four high for 2018, I'm actually going to throw it back to the internet wrestling community. And specifically, I'm going to talk about the inclusion side of, of, of wrestling Twitter and the social media platforms where 2018 is really a groundswell of interest back into the product of wrestling. And I've been more than pleased with how fans of New Japan and fans of stardom and fans of uh, British wrestling have taken new fans underneath their wings and said, hey, check out this match if you're interested. And hey, you know, here's a bio on, on this character and here's the history of this person and here's where this could go and don't be afraid to jump in if you don't have the information and and you want to throw your opinions out there like there is a camaraderie that comes with uh wrestling twitter specifically because that's what i'm on but you can you can broaden that spectrum a little bit discords are big right now you know that people are helping to educate not just younger fans but new fans or people that are reinvesting back into the product for the first time in 10 years and when that happens, uh, it's a very nice thing. And I think that there should be representation for those people in the top five. No, I really like that answer, actually. Um, I never had, before I had this uh, podcast and my, my Twitter on uh, for my podcast, I never really had a lot of wrestling fans on my Twitter, so i never really seen it before. So I can't speak too much on it. But this year, I have made so many acquaintances and friends through the wrestling community people like yourself like courtney mike aaron all these people i speak to almost on a daily basis Mm -hmm. through twitter you know wilfred me and wilfred are dming each other about ideas and different wrestling stuff and even stuff that isn't even wrestling related but because we've made friends through wrestling Mm -hmm. we are now talking about football because he likes um british football and he sports the same team as me. We're talking about things like that. Um, and there's so many other people. You know, when I go and do these um, Follow Fridays and I get tagged in so many people's Follow Fridays because to them I'm a big part of their wrestling community. That is such a nice feeling and giving back to people. And when people say, oh, you know, uh, who is your favourite 
what's your favourite match this year? I love seeing everyone's different reactions. No one's arguing saying well, you're wrong. You know, it's right. it's it's such a nice community to be a part of when things are going nice and happy like they have been. The only thing is I stay away from the scandal, so I don't see anything like that. I don't try and get involved. So from my my perspective, it's always ever been positive. But you are right. Like the wrestling community, especially on Twitter, because that's the one that I use the most, is incredible. Um, I hope it continues because I absolutely love it. Um, my wife calls it my 24-hour job because I'm constantly <laughs> tweeting and, and talking to people. And it's, you know, half the time it's not because I'm uploading an episode or editing an episode. It's because I'm interacting with everyone I love interacting with on Twitter and and all these different opinions and, and getting to know people more and their tastes and stuff. And, you know, you said you touched on there when people are helpful to people who want to try new things and get into stuff. There's been so many people that I could name and list off, um, but I can't because I've got a shit memory of <laughs> who have helped me with interviews I've done for TK Cooper, Chuck Mambo, who are more wise to the product of progress wrestling and to the point where they've got me into progress wrestling. Um, and it is one of those things. You've got people like Hisame, who is the English spokesperson really for pro wrestling Noah, the amount of she people does, she's uh. got into Noah. She does such a fantastic job. Exactly. And it's got me... I, I retweet her stuff because it looks interesting and I love what she's doing. I don't even watch Noah. I have no idea Mm-mm. who she is talking about because I've... You know, I, there's just too much... Not enough time in the day. There's too much wrestling for me to watch. I'd love to be able to watch Noah um, and, and, and more Japanese stuff. But there's just not enough time in the day for me. But the fact that she has got people on board and, and you know, she's going on to people's podcasts like Wilfred and and talking about Pro Wrestling Noah to the point where, um, like, Courtney's into it and Miriam's another one who got really into it. Um, it's amazing. I love it. Um, great shout. Definitely great shout. My number three low now is... I don't know if it's going to be controversial because I get a lot of stick because I always seem very negative towards WWE and looking on my list it can be can seem that way but mine is the booking for WWE in general um, mm-hmm. this year some of it oh, absolutely dumbfounds me I, some days I'm absolutely flabbergasted with the stuff that they choose to do but a specific time for me was from Wrestlemania all the way maybe to Money in the Bank, maybe to Extreme Rules. Some of that was just unbearable to watch. It really was terrible. I think Backlash not only is the worst pay-per-view of the year, probably the worst pay-per-view of the decade, and we've still got two (laughs) years left. That's how bad that um, pay-per-view was. It was dreadful decisions, decision-making, the whole Brock Lesnar thing. I still don't understand why they put it on Brock Lesnar. They built up uh, Braun Strowman three or four times now to be the next guy and they haven't pulled the trigger well, I don't know what he's doing that's wrong to not deserve to be put that belt when Roman was sadly um, taken ill again for leukemia I don't know um, but I'm really hoping we've seen a bit of a weird thing these last few weeks tweets coming out from WWE saying we're listening to the fans and stuff like that whether they do or not um hopefully they do whether they do or not is a different story we'll see um but what do you think about the booking in 2018 for wwe it's been questionable at best 
So I don't I don't disagree with anything that you said, and I, I wholeheartedly agree on the on the backlash pay per view that was garbage. Yeah. So in 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 that regard, uh, I don't have too much to add. I will say again, I can go back to the injuries thing and the pivots they've had to make. I think they handled the 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 Roman Reigns leukemia relapse perfectly. I think the how they did that and the way they kind of keep him involved through storyline um and the production videos i think i think they're doing a really good job with that yeah um but overall the problem with their booking is that it's been super repetitive Um, oh yeah definitely not just in the matches which is frustrating enough but i'm used to that in wwe the the problem i have is especially when you go back to back five hours and five hours of live television a week is you see variety um, Mr. Will, uh, Warren Hayes does a great job when he talks on his show about how SmackDown will like change their opening. They'll start with a match. They'll start with a promo the following week. They'll start with a backstage segment the following week after that. And how they're, the matches don't typically change, right? Jeff Hardy yeah. versus Randy Orton, you know, whatever. It, but their layout of their show changes, their segment uh, distribution changes and raw just ha- it's been lazy booking in that sense of here's the <clears throat> outline of what we're going to do here are the matches we're going to run we're going to switch up the order but it's going to be the exact same show or at least it's going to feel like the exact same show yeah. always start with an authority fight. figure in the ring yep yeah yeah always start with the authority figure in the ring always go to a two-segment match after that yeah. uh come out of that into a comedy spot come out of that into a short tag team come out of, you know it's like you yeah. can pretty much lay out the round the women's tag team match in there somewhere right. it's, get a yeah. good crossover in the nine o'clock hour to get the ratings <laughs> back up like it's it's always there and then and try to end with a hot finish that usually falls flat so there's your three hours of raw <clears throat> um so yeah no i agree with that their booking has been less than par and i have reasons for it but i'll save that for later in the in the show here cool let's hear your number three low for 2018 Okay, so I'm going to piggyback off your idea for my low of 2018, number three. And I'm going to go with the neuterization of Kurt Angle. Oh, interesting. So Kurt Angle is an Olympic gold medal winner. He is the fastest uh, and I believe youngest at the time Grand Slam winner. He's a Hall of Famer. And since they've brought him back, they have made him nothing more than a Stephanie McMahon lapdog. Yeah. And where that story can work if the comeuppance uh, is there, the problem is that every time they've kind of punched back with him over the course of this year specifically, it's only been so good, right? The punch or the juice hasn't been worth the squeeze up to and including last pay-per-view. Yeah. So I get that he's limited in what he can do. I understand he's had a... Uh, a multitude of injuries in the past and they're protecting him and he's just happy to be there. He's happy to be back. But at some point, you know, you either got to put the cow out to pasture or put him in a position to where he can really exemplify what has made him great to this new audience that hasn't seen him 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Uh, Didn't watch TNA and what the work that he did there. So that's my number three. 
No, that's a really good one, actually. Um, I don't know about you. I wasn't a big fan of Kurt Angle as a GM. I think if you had made him as funny, well, not made him, but I don't know whether you can still be as funny as what he used to be with like the likes of Edge and Christian and stuff. Um, we already had that with Mick Foley. So I wasn't a big fan of, of him as the GM. And I've even done a, a fantasy booking episode on who I would pick instead in the past because me or two of my friends also wasn't happy with it um and that was the thing i I liked the baron corbin thing and and how he came up and got his comeuppance at the last pay-per-view that was a cool spot i must admit uh bringing kurt angle out with all of those wrestlers um yeah i agree like you look at how he's being used is a bit of a laughing stock and it's such a shame because when he arrived on the scene, he was a legitimate badass. We we, we spoke about Ronda Rousey earlier and, and how, you know, how much of a badass she was before she joined WWE. Kurt Angle was exactly the same. He's Olympic gold medalist and he came in and he looked an unbeatable guy. I, I hated him as a youngster. You know, I was, I was about 10 years old when he You hated was, the hair that yeah, he had. I hated him when he was in his prime when I was about 10 years old because he was a heel. He was really cocky and... To me, he seemed unbeatable. So when he was come up against The Rock, I was worried because I was a big Rock fan. I wanted The Rock to win. But Kurt Angle seemed to me, well, he's Olympic gold medalist. How's The Rock going to beat him? Now it's like, oh, Kurt Angle, he's just there. He's a bit of a laughing stock. Um, so yeah, I completely agree with you there. It's, hopefully we see a bit of a change because um, I like what they did the last pay-per-view uh, compared to what they've done in the past with him. So maybe we'll see something different um, in 2019 for Kurt Angle and whether what sort of role he plays because now there is seems to be that there isn't going to be a GM and he's not going to be involved. So quite curious as well, to be fair, and yeah. with and with Paige as well with with that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, my high for my my number three high could have been my number one. To be fair, it's, um, that's how good it is. My my three remaining highs are all so good i have picked my favorite but my number three high is how consistent and how amazing nxt has been this year the takeovers don't remember a a bad takeover anyway in in previous years but they seem to do this thing where they astound everyone and get better and better every time the matches they are putting on are almost dream matches for people who are aware of the indie scene and, and watch NXT. The storylines, the the emotional storylines that they have done with Johnny Gargano from this absolute hero babyface going for the title. Everyone's behind Johnny Wrestling to Tommaso Ciampa crushing that dream. And then Tommaso Ciampa then winning the belt himself. And now it looks like we are going full circle and Johnny Wrestling is now Johnny Badass. All of that stuff and more. I cannot praise NXT and what Triple H, William Regal, Matt Bloom, whoever is behind the scenes down there, whatever they do, my hat is off to them because what an outstanding year of TV and pay-per-views takeovers that NXT has. Um, especially my favourite match of the year, Johnny Gargano versus Andrade Cien Almas, um, mm. for personal reasons and for how amazing the actual match was, the five-star match. What a year. What do you think about NXT 2018? So NXT, I actually kept them off my list. Um, I kept them on my list for a couple different reasons, but I, it's not because I don't disagree with anything that you said. 
So first and foremost, when it comes to Almas Gargano, that was in Philly during Royal Rumble weekend, and I could I was looking at tickets the night before Friday, and I and I almost pulled the trigger and didn't watch it the next night, and I was kicking myself all weekend because I should have been at that match. I <laughs> uh, should have pulled the trigger when I had the chance. Um, I love NXT. NXT TakeOver. So in agreement with you, I will tell you the execution of both the matches, uh, the wrestling quality, the characters, the storylines um, are all top-notch. So they're the best going in WWE right now by great margins. Yep. When you can take a DIY, um, I guess that started in 2017, but when you can take a DIY storyline and stretch it out over the course of, uh, well, not yeah, yeah, I think it started in January, so maybe it was twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, you stretch it over the course of the year, and and you're going to see the payoff. But I don't think you're going to see the payoff for real until WrestleMania. So you're talking a, a year and a quarter. Again, that just speaks to the testament and the quality going in and the care going into uh, everything involved in making a wrestling product great. So I take nothing away from them. I will also say on the other side. You know, distance makes the heart grow fonder. So when you're running these storylines that don't have the, what's the word? Um, they, they don't have, maybe? Yeah, they don't have the duty to have to progress the storyline every week, right? You might see Gargano the first week of the month, fourth week of the month, and then uh the the payoff at the pay-per-view and continuing the story from there when you don't have to do it every single week and progress a storyline it's going to make for more enticing television if you could put dean ambrose and and seth rollins after that turn the night of the roman thing um in a weekly one-hour show that you don't get to you don't get a payoff from each and every week that storyline would be would have the potential of being as big as um, DIY right now. So yeah. <clears throat> they work within the framework that they have to work in. So I I, I can't fault them for it. Um, and the execution has been brilliant over the course of the year. But they're also they also get a little bit of uh, they also get a little bit of latitude because you know they don't have to do it every week and they don't have to do it live. So. Yeah. So that's my only knock. It's not even a knock because that's my only criticism of NXT. Other than that, but 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 again, I can't stress enough from an execution perspective, from a storyline perspective, from a creative perspective, they're the best in that company right now, and they should get all the all the applause and all the awards every year for it. Definitely, completely agree with that. What is mm -hmm. your number three high for 2018, John? So I'm going with number three. I'm going with the Golden Lovers storyline. Oh. Good pick. So we can go back a decade if we wanted to. But really the culmination of... And I'm going to talk specifically about Golden Lovers because we can take this many directions. But we talk about New Year's Dash and Jay White taking the U.S. title from... Um, Kenny. Kenny. Yeah, actually, they, he took it at New Beginnings, I believe. New Year's Dash, he turned away the, uh, the Bullet Club invitation... Then the whole Cody uh, Abushi thing, and then him coming back to protect Abushi, uh, and then the breakdown of, of BC and these two coming together, um, you know, in this ambiguous type of relationship. Yeah. Uh, and the culmination of a decade's worth of storyline, 
again, yeah, I mean, we always say hashtag trust in Gato, but when we talk execution, to be able to, I mean, again, it, it questions the main event. With everybody leaving um, uh, in January and starting All Elite, you can't make that claim for Omega right now because what's going to happen with Ibushi? What's yeah. going to happen with the Golden Lovers? And they got me so, so sucked into this storyline and how they treat each other and all the stuff they do outside the ring that all makes the social media. And I mean, it's just it's a phenomenal kayfabe slash reality type uh, relationship. And we know they care about each other, but you know the way they play it, both in ring and out ring, it's just it's spectacular. Yeah. Definitely, I, I've been a big fan of of the the whole Golden Lovers thing. Um, obviously, I was never around to see what they were like before. So when it first sort of happened, I was a bit puzzled and a bit confused. Um, okay. I did my research and, and found out a lot about it, and maybe I wasn't as as emotionally invested as someone who would have seen what happened before in their previous tag team. But I was almost there because um, you could see the with the emotion that they have with each other. Um, the chemistry that they have in the ring is pretty phenomenal. And that G1 match that they had with each other mm-hmm. against each other was outstanding. Unreal. Um, props to them for continually putting on amazing matches. Ibushi himself, I feel like, has had one of the best years, um, best 2018s out of the whole world of wrestlers. I feel like he's one that has really come on, not quality-wise, but being noticed, being in the spotlight of um, actually this guy is amazing and you know his rise with the Golden Lovers, maybe that being a rub with Kenny, I don't know. But a lot of people now are more aware of Kota Ibushi and know how outstanding he is because he genuinely is one of the best wrestlers in the world. Probably the most natural wrestler in the world is Kota Ibushi. Outstanding talent. But I really like that pick. That was a very outside-the-box um, pick, which I didn't think of one bit, but I completely agree with you on that one. My number two low, uh, you've already touched on it. I've put it higher because it meant a little more to me than the other my other picks, um, mainly because it affected certain people who I really like, and that is the injuries. Um, never been a big fan of Roman Reigns, how they booked him. But I was a big fan of the person, Roman Reigns, um, and everything. So that was a bit, that was very saddened to me when when that happened. Um, but the big one for me was Hiromi Takahashi. We, you, you mentioned him when you spoke about injuries. Um, I was so close to sort of like blatting out stuff about Hiromi when when we mentioned it for your pick. Um, but I thought no, save it because else I would have nothing to talk about when I talk about injuries because. Hiromi Takahashi for me really stole my heart this year in the Super Junior um, final. I've said on so many occasions it is probably my favourite match alongside Almas and Gargano this year um, The versus Taiji Shimori. I watched it accidentally, really well, not non-intentionally. I was originally, I had the guys round to watch Dominion from 2017. For some reason, Dominion didn't work. But the Super Junior Finals had just happened. I said to the guys, why don't we just watch this instead? They were like, yeah, all right. They weren't that bothered by it. As soon as that match started, the Takahashi versus Ishimori, they were completely invested. Um, My friend, Mason Adams, who is not a big lover, well, was never a big watcher of New Japan. Uh, He is now. 
um, has gone on record and said on on my podcast it's one of the best matches he's ever seen, and he didn't know either of them. He still doesn't. Wow. He, he probably still couldn't even name both of them now. He just knows that that match happened. He knows he's seen it. He knows how amazing that match is, and the momentum that was crushed and killed when Hiromi broke his neck um, really sort of killed me inside because I fell in love with the character, the, the weird his weird cat thing that he brings to the ring, and <laughs> Daryl, yeah, Daryl, that's it. Um, you know the, the extravagant stuff he wears, the, the 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 smooth way he walks to the ring as if he's like a a zombie. I love it. I love him as a person, like uh, as a as a character and everything. I think he's awesome as a wrestler as well. He's absolutely fucking outstanding. So. Injuries to me, you've mentioned some other ones, the Kevin Owens of the world and the Sami Zayn's. Um, you know, even da- Dean Ambrose to some extent, he, was, he had a bit of a momentum killer not being able to carry on with the tag team with Seth Rollins. Samoa Joe, you know, we've had so many injuries um, on the indie scene as, as well and it's it's annoying and like you said, it can't be helped but it's still a low for me because... It is a momentum killer, and it's just how they come back. Hopefully, they come back a lot stronger. But um, yeah, injuries for me is my number two pick. Yeah, and just touch on uh, Takahashi versus Ishimori. I've been an Ishimori fan for a very long time, and that dude. I think I think what it is for me is that it takes me back to when I got into wrestling. It was WCW back in ninety five, ninety six. Yeah, and so I was a big cruiserweight fan. Uh, right before Eddie, I think it was before Eddie got there, it was Mysterio, it was Malenko, um, I guess Eddie was there, because I think he came across with Malenko, yeah. uh, Chris Benoit, um, Hooventude, and, and so that's, <clears throat> when I watch Ishimori, besides being jacked for a little guy, he hits the ropes harder than anybody else in the business right now. Yeah. He runs from one side to the other, and I mean, you talk about attacking the ropes, he hits those ropes so hard. It reminds me of uh, Super Callow Jr. back in 96. It reminds me of uh, Hooventude as well and how, how fast they, they ran across that ring and how hard they hit those ropes and then the, what, the momentum they had to do whatever they needed to do. And you, you partner that with the Takahashi. It's just, I mean, it's amazing. And I can't wait for uh, Wrestle Kingdom to see it again. I'm sorry. Um, Wow. Yeah, I can't wait to see Ishimori at uh, Wrestle Kingdom again. But yeah. um, that Super Juniors match was just incredible across the board. Yeah, and it's a shame because what would Hiramo, or what would LIJ be doing in general? But what would Takahashi be doing if he didn't get injured? It's a yeah. huge, huge loss for the fans, for Hiramu, obviously, because of what he has to deal with. Um, and again, just praying for safe recovery and get him back as soon as possible. Definitely. Um, I'm usher those words as well I, I really hope he comes back um still able to do everything he can do but maybe not take as big of risks as what he did before because <laughs> right yeah you could see it happening really with the, the the risk he took well the problem with the dragon lee situation if i remember correctly there was a tournament prior to to that match uh that was like a two-day tournament three-match tournament where Dragon Lee performed three times in two days and then wrestled uh, Takahashi. So they've come out and said that it had nothing to do with him wrestling prior. But yeah. fatigue is a real thing. Yeah, because it probably wasn't wrestling in Japan, those those events either, was it? It was probably CMLL. 
I'm not sure. I, I used to know, but again, it's that you know the recency of of everything that's been happening has kind of has kind of fogged my memory. I want to say it was in New Japan. Wait, did did they they didn't wrestle in New Japan? They wrestled at. Um, did he get injured in the states? It was the G1 special in the states. Yeah. Yeah, it was in the states. So he yeah, so he might have been uh, wrestling in Mexico. Yeah. The night prior, the couple nights prior, maybe California, I forget, but uh, he was close enough to make the to make the trip. But you 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 take in travel, you take in fatigue, and then for him not to hit the move as cleanly as he does, and he's hit that move a hundred times. You know, you you sit here and you wonder, and you play that Monday morning quarterback. You know, did that have something to do with it? Yeah. And you know, it's tough for me to. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything negative because, again, things happen in the ring, and you just have to deal with it. But it is one of those things where, you know, what could have been, what would be now if that injury never happened. Yeah, definitely. Um, mm-hmm. Hopefully, he comes back stronger. I agree. What is your second low? Your number two low for 2018. So, so the reason this one's so high um, is because there is such a lack of initiative behind it in the WWE currently that I had to, I had to raise, raise the number on it. And that's the lack of depth and interest from a booking perspective in the WWE tag team division. Yeah. So we have SmackDown who has arguably the best three tag teams, right? You have the bar, you have new day, you have the Usos and those three uh, have been and will continue to battle over those titles for the foreseeable future. I know Sanity kind of teased it two weeks ago, but for the most part, those are your three. Yeah, Raw doesn't have anybody, right? You want to make a case for AOP? I'll listen, but I can I can come right back over the top with that with everything they did with Drake and their lead into once they were caught up. So that's problematic enough. Uh, I love what um, Bobby Roode. And um, uh, wow, thank you, uh, Gable are doing right now. But their best tag team is being not or isn't being showcased, and that's the revival. Yes. I'm not a super revival mark, but at the same time, I'm a tag team guy. I come I come from the school of the Four Horsemen. I come from Arn Anderson and the Brainbusters back in WWF. So for there to be such a lack of Double move or double team moves for there to be these chaotic finishes of everybody hitting their own finisher in this kind of melee type of 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 layout at the end of these matches. Uh, one, they don't do it as well as New Japan. Two, the cohesion's not there between the teams. Uh, three, they're not bringing anybody new in, so we're seeing all the same things we have for the last couple years. Um, and there doesn't seem to be any type of desire for them to make it any better. And for all of those reasons, uh, that falls number two on my list. Yeah, I, I really like that choice. I, I almost put the tag team division in as, as as a whole for one of my negatives, one of my lows, sorry. Um, I I am a big fan of tag team wrestling. I love what New Japan do and, and how it still feels relevant no matter how many te- times we see Suzuki Goon versus Chaos or LIJ versus Chaos. You see the same guys, but they make all the matches different. Whereas you, you watch Raw, you watch SmackDown, you see the same team tag team matches and 
subconsciously you switch off to it and you you may be watching but there's no you know there's the lights are on but nobody's home when you when you're watching it and you don't remember it because nothing really happens nothing really changes personally i spoke about it before um when i fantasy booked the the tag team division one of the first ever fantasy bookings i did was the tag team division and i would make it a one one whole roster as a tag team split across both and i would have just one title belt and and instead of i think it's a bit saturated having the two um and you end up like you said you end up seeing the usos versus the bar or the usos versus new day new day versus the bar you see that too often and i think raw um because of the lack of strong raw tag team champ uh, tag team teams we're seeing teams like rude and gable being brought together okay it's worked and i quite enjoy it um you sound like you quite enjoy it too but there's also times where that does, that hasn't worked um and it just seems very forced and yeah i don't think the wwc tag team wrestling in high regards compared to what the fans and and, and what audiences at home see it and, and and how they used to use it and utilize it so that's a very good pick i like that one john yeah, I would, so to add to that, so when you said that you wanted to switch up the rosters, I actually have an idea for this. And we can we can talk about this off air, we can talk about this another time, we can talk about it now. Right, um, carry on. But it is one of those things where there needs to be a shake-up, and I think that, in my opinion, Raw is still the A show. Now, I can go into all the reasons why, right? and I did this on Twitter a few months back, Um but it is one of those things where if they took, now that you have the women's tag team division starting, if they took every potential tag team, not uh, like Stone Cold Hunter, but you took every women's tag team, the Iconics, uh, Tamina, Nia, Bailey, Sasha, Mandy Rose, Sonya, and you put them all on Raw. So now your women's tag team division is on Raw. And you take the tag team men and you put them on SmackDown. Now, you leave your singles alone on either side, right? So, you know, you still have your Rondas on, on Raw. You still have your Charlottes, your Beckys, or Oscars. You, you take your, your, your singles um, opponents. They, they all stay the same. Or you can switch them up, but you, you have both on each, on each side. Yeah. But now you dedicate men's SmackDown and you put all the, all the tag teams on that division, especially with them going on Fox. And then you take the women's tag team title and you put them all on Raw. And you you showcase tag team wrestling in the women's division through the talent pool that you can now draw from. I think you see uh, better success coming out of the WWE with regards to tag team. I think where I'm a big supporter of the women's tag team titles specifically, I also think that having to... Everybody's been talking about, oh, they should float the titles between brands and into NXT and the NXT UK, and that's all well and good. But at the end of the day, it's going to get muddled. It's going to, what are the rules? When do they switch brands? How do you know they're going to switch brands? Can we see it coming? Like, there's a whole bunch of different ways of playing that. And it's watered down product because yeah. talent is split. So you move it all into one brand. I would say Raw because to me, that's still the A show, which again, we can talk about at a different time. And you now 
dedicate the tag team division to the women over there, dedicate and bring the talent from Raw over onto SmackDown on the men's side, and you dedicate that division there. And I think that brings a little bit of um, continuity to the storylines, uh, short-term, long-term. No, I like that. I like that idea. Um, they just need to make it more relevant and more important is the main thing. You know, we 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 all have these ideas, which I I all agree with. Like, quite a lot of people have different opinions of the tag team division and how they would make it better. But the difference is we're not the ones that are booking it and WWE just don't seem to do anything different, um, which is why it's it's sort of in limbo and nothing's really happening with the division. I think it was a few few months ago someone um, spoke to me and, and asked me what my predictions were for, or a fan, fantasy bookings way of who you'd have face the tag team titles. And I had to ask them to remind me who was the tag team champions. Because I just completely forgot. I didn't know who it was. And that's how bad it's been. Um, let's go on now to uh, our second high. We're getting near the end now and... Um, my my second high this year is a bit of a personal one for me um, because it's the G1 from 2018. I loved the G1. This is my first G1 that I've managed to watch all the way through from the beginning. Uh, I started watching wrestling about 18 months ago. Again, got back into it um, from one of those phases where you just dip in and out of it. And New Japan got me back into wrestling and I caught the very end of the G1 last year. So I never seen it all the way through. This year it started. Um, I watched from the beginning. I watched the G1 special. I watched every single night. Every single match. And absolutely loved it. I was so engrossed of it. Uh, I forgot that the football season started. That's the first time that's ever happened in my life. People were saying, oh, what about the Man United score? And I didn't even realize they had played because I was too busy <laughs> watching the G1. Um, how was the G1 for you? Did you did you manage to catch all of it this year? Every bit of it. Every single bit of it. I came in, so I, I love the G1. I love tournaments. I love point structures. I think New Japan does a great job with it. And the best thing about New Japan with regards to the G1 is that there's only a couple different people that can win it, but you never know who's going to win it. Yeah. And it really sets up the back half of the year so well that if you're not paying attention to it, I mean, early, it's going to be Jay White. Early, it's going to be Naito. Omega's going to run the table. Are we going to see um, what, what what's Ibushi going to do, right? Juice is in it as the U.S. champion. What's he going to do? Uh, Sonata's in it. Let's, you know, it, so so there's so many different angles you can go, and and you know it's going to set up the back half of the year, but you don't know how they're going to get there, and it's just for it to progress the way it does, and the variability that they've thrown into it over the last couple of years, and the way it comes down to the last night, it was incredible, and the matches this year just it, it's they they spoiled us yeah. with the level of wrestling, the level of execution. Um, the storylines that are intertwined through it, the whole BC matchup, the Bullet Club coming in and doing all the interferences and all that. It, there's not there's not one part of any show. Yano, it was to me was uh, he's the palate cleanser, right? He's yeah. the he's the lemon sorbet of of the G1, where you'd have these intense matches, and then he would come in and do this little presence fair play type of gimmick. 
absolutely killed it. And there was porn victories <laughs> over, you know, different Omega. people. That they, yeah, right over Omega. I think he even got a bushy. Um, so, so again, it's just it, it's just fun. It's just like nine or twelve episodes of fun. Yeah, and I, everybody should be watching it if you're a wrestling fan. Definitely, especially if you follow um, New Japan even in the slightest and are aware of who's who. Um, my friends don't have a New Japan subscription. They tend to come up and watch it around mine. Obviously, I couldn't have them up here four times a week for four hours <laughs> watching no. it. Um, but they were constantly every day, who who beat who, who beat who. They were following it through Twitter, through me watching it um, because they knew how obsessed I was with it. And, and you're right. I'm glad you touched on Yano because that was going to be the thing I was going to say next. You go from such serious matches to really intense matches where normally you, every night I'd say you'd have two outstanding matches. Um, okay, A block this year wasn't as good as B block. Um, however, you did have Okada and Tanahashi, Jay White, and that whole situation. And I still felt that they, they had some incredible matches. When it was a B block night, you were guaranteed to have two, maybe three, close to five-star matches. And I, mm-hmm. I remember right after the G1, when all the the Dave Uncle Dave Meltzer's star ratings come out. Um, I'm not a big fan of the whole star rating in general, as if, like, oh, if he says it's a five-star match, then it must be a five-star match. But because of how Dave Meltzer has recorded a lifetime of wrestling and scored it, and it's just one person's opinion, I'm always curious to see how he compares matches to another to how I compare them. And when I look back on the the G1, uh, I think I, I won't get the the numbers correct exactly, but it was roughly sixteen matches were four point five stars or higher, and that's without any five star matches. So they were, they were either four point five or four point seven five. Uh, I think there was three, maybe four, five star matches, with one of them being a five point five star match. That's incredible. Like, incredible. The fact that WWE couldn't go, I mean, how long was it? Nearly eight years without a five-star match until, thank our Lord and Savior, Cian Almas and Johnny Gargano um, gave us a five-star match. The G1 just supplied us with three five-star matches and one 5.5-star match in the space of three weeks. And then 16 other matches which were on the cusp of a five-star. That's insane. Um and if you haven't watched a G1 before, either go back and watch this G1 if you've got the time. If you've got a few days where you've got no plans, then do that because you'll be you'll be like me. I was totally sucked in and I, I lost myself for a few weeks because of how amazing and how incredible the wrestling was. And also, I, I want to say on, on the, the subject of the G1, props to not only Kevin Kelly... But Rocky Romero, because I was used to having Don Callis. Obviously, we couldn't get Don Callis because of his commitments to Impact Wrestling. Uh, we right. had drips and drabs of him. But Rocky Romero, I absolutely loved during commentary on the G1. Um, even getting included in, in the uh, Sonata versus Toriani match, which is arguably one of my favorite matches of the year, not for quality-wise, <laughs> but for comedy props. What a funny match that was. But I really felt like um, I thoroughly enjoyed the G1 even more 
because of the wrestling, but because of the the commentary team that we had this year. Yeah, I agree, and I'll throw Ishii in there too because I don't think we talked about oh, him. Maybe he, he had of the year. incredible, yeah, and just incredible G one, and that's the thing. I mean. Most of these people, most of the memories I have aren't about Tanahashi winning. Now, Tanahashi, Abushi was a great match. Tanahashi losing in a bad way to uh, Jay White was a great match, in my opinion. The Okada match as well. Yep, same with the Okada match. So, a lot of good things happening, but that's the beauty of the G1. It's not about who wins it. It's it's this progression of just, you know, it's a story within a story, and it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, what is your number two high for 2018, John? So my number two high, for, and you kind of touched on it in a different way, so I'm glad we're going to get a little variability here. Uh, but I'm going with the resurgence of the independent scene in the United States specifically. And the reason I'm going with the United States is because I don't follow British wrestling as much as I should. Um, Japanese wrestling takes up a lot of my time. You got Raw for five hours. So from an accessibility standpoint, um, I just I run out of time. Yeah. Um, so uh, but I like I do catch matches, but I, I can't say I know storylines. I know I know wrestlers over over there, but I, I don't I don't know um, storylines or, or progressions and things like that. Yeah. But so what specifically with regards to stateside, number one, you have all in, right? All in is a testament to the business of wrestling and what Cody and the Bucks were able to do with it, but then the the confidence of their fans to come in for that event, and they showed that if you're not WWE and you are in to, to wrestling, that there can be an alternative, and that there is this bubble of counterculture available for independent wrestlers to uh, take advantage of. And I that that's success all on its own. I will also tell you that the NWA reboot and what Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana are doing with that is uh, it hits me. I don't want to call it a spiritual, but there there's a certain warmness that I have for the NWA. Yeah, a bit of nostalgia. Yeah, there's some nostalgia for sure. And so for them to kind of put on that grassroots kind of show. Um, the NWA. I'm actually wearing my NWA 70s hat now. Uh, <laughs> is always a plus. The women's uh, uh, section of you have the men's section, you have the women's section. They talk about Rise and Sanity 10, where Tessa Blanchard and uh, Mercedes oh, Martinez. The, the 75 minute, 75 minute uh, match was unbelievable. If you haven't watched, and again, I'm a stardom guy. But uh, if you haven't watched the uh, the Rise and Sanity 10 75-minute match between Tessa and Mercedes Martinez, go on to GWN or whatever the, the website is and check out that match because that match was incredible. Uh, the talent that's out there that's not signed by the WWE right now. And so you have this, and I've been using the word groundswell. I can't think of a better word from it, but you have this bubble of 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 wrestling fans who are either tired of the WWE for all the reasons that we've said. Uh, some people just like to be anti whatever mainstream is, right? Yeah. And to be able to provide them with a product that fulfills the or satiates the need for 
good match layout, good wrestling, good storytelling on a not so consistent basis. It's it's really something that I see we're only seeing, or it's, it's something I feel that we're only seeing the tip of the iceberg of. And going into 2019, it's really going to begin to take off with AEW and, and these independent promotions building upon the successes of 2018. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, um, Like I said when uh, I, I had it in mind, indie scene is as big as it's ever been right now, but it's not reached its ceiling, I don't think. Um, we're going to be in for a great 2019. I'm so excited to see what All Elite Wrestling will do and can do. Um, I think Cody Rhodes is the key here because, like you mentioned then, people who, who just watch WWE mainstream wrestling and, and not a big fan of the independent scene because of familiarity like you know they don't know a lot of yeah. the wrestlers and stuff which is which is fine you know i was exactly the same before i got back into wrestling this time but cody rhodes is a guy who people are familiar with um and can be that bridge to watching independent wrestling um so mm -hmm. people like him are vital in this and I think he is not going to be the only one in 2019. We're seeing a lot of rumours of unhappy mainstream wrestlers in the WWE. Um, and we may see a few departures from the WWE. Who knows? You know, I don't know for sure. Um, but if it's, better, if it's better for their career and they can afford to do so, then I'm all for it. Because, you know, people like... I'm not saying this will be the person who will, but people like Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins, Zack Ryder specifically, um, needs to be used because he's such a great character. He's loved. He's a very good wrestler. But we're just not seeing him. He hasn't had a Raw match in 2018, and that is terrible. Um, so, yeah, really like that answer. And the, the American-specific side of independence wrestling, definitely. I think Chikara as well has been something that I've thoroughly enjoyed this year i love shikara to... it's only 30 minutes from my house so i've caught plenty of um shikara shows over the years Very i get a little world with shikara yeah yeah and um that's something that i'm going to be venturing into a lot more in 2019 when uh, season 19 starts yeah so yeah great great pick right my number one low for 2019 uh, 2018. I'm very vocal about this. This is something that I bring up quite often in more ways than one. And that, unfortunately, is the NXT call-ups of 2018. Um, if you take out probably Drew McIntyre, that's it, really. Other than that, I feel like it's been a waste of NXT talent being brought up and being misused or not used at all. Um, forgot Sanity even existed until we seen them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Andrade Cianalmas, my my love of the love of my life, Andrade Cianalmas, is just getting loss after loss. Um, at least he's getting booked, I suppose. But we did go through a stage where that didn't even happen. Um, I want to see these guys being booked like they are in NXT because that's where you we we love their characters and and we we enjoy what they do and we know that they have the talent. Um, you know, we're seeing people like Tyler Breeze going back to NXT and getting standing ovations from the whole arena because of how loved he is. He comes out in Raw and you just think, well, Tyler Breeze is going to get squashed. And that's a shame for me. I, I want to see these 
NXT call-ups being used and coming out like Kevin Owens did, challenging the champion straight away and winning titles. That's what I want to see. Um, and it's just not happening for me. It just didn't happen for me this year. And I was so disappointed because I was so excited for the call-ups that happened. But the one thing that bothers me the most is we're getting call-ups currently with you know the, the Lars Sullivan group, um, I'll, I'll call them. Um, and we'll probably get them after Mania. And you think of the people who are likely to get caught up, and it is very worrying for me. Um, you know, can you imagine uh, a world of wrestling without the Undisputed Era? I can't. And yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah, and 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 I just I pray that I'm not a religious person, but I pray that they get used properly when they eventually do. And I pray that WWE start to use NXT call ups a lot better in 2019 that's a good one so and i like that you kept it 2018 specific yeah because in that instance in that window you're you're spot on now i can make a case for ember with regards to the ceiling on raw and she's gotten some good wins and things like that um but as a whole yeah you're spot on with regards to 2018 nxt call-ups um so there was a episode i believe you did and I want to say it was I want to say it was your show, but it could have been either Grapple Arcade or Graps in that I forget. Okay, where you guys talked about NXT call ups, or more specifically, if um, NXT was a developmental program. Yeah, that was me and Graps in that. Yeah. Okay, that was you and Graps in that. Okay, so um, good show, by the way. Thank you. Um, so here's so I know me and Wilfred kind of went back and forth a little bit as a in the totality of NXT call-ups and is it a developmental or isn't it? The one thing that I don't believe was mentioned, and I could be wrong if it was, correct me, was that it's not NXT isn't a developmental because of the talent they have there and how good it is and and how good of a product they put on. Because clearly these these wrestlers are talented. But it is a developmental in the sense that they kind of get repackaged when they come up to the, the main roster. Like if you took the Undisputed Era and you continued the Undisputed Era onto Raw the way they did uh, Kevin Owens, yeah. right, where he's the champion on both, then I would be more in the camp of saying that it's not developmental. The, the problem is, is, and maybe this is Vince... Maybe this is uh, just the way they perceive it over there in, in uh, Connecticut, but they, they they hit the reset on all these characters coming into Raw uh, or coming into SmackDown, um, all mess included, right? With everything yeah. that he was doing down there, and then kind of he had some pageantry when he came in. He had Zelino on the mic at the beginning, which they I don't know why they don't put a mic in her hand every minute of every day. Oh, she's awesome. She's so good. Uh, she's the best. She she could be the next Sherry Martell. Yeah, uh, for that she's that good. So, in that sense, um, I, I would agree that it's a, a del- developmental when you look at it that way. And the lack of creative, or the lack of ha- why call somebody up? Why call Sanity up if you don't have anything for him? Yes, right. Yep. Why call? Uh, so I think EC three will do well because I think he kind of fits the mold of what. Vince looks like uh, looks for in what a wrestler looks like. Yeah, Vince I think is gonna love Lacey him. Evans. Yeah, I think Lacey Evans is the same. I think heavy machinery uh, heavy machinery screwed because of the tag team um, division. I will. I do think we'll see them after Rumble. I don't think they'll wait till WrestleMania. I think after WrestleMania, that's when you get uh, the four horse women 
you might get EO and Kyrie. EO might stay down and, and win the title. Yeah. You might get Bianca at that point. Uh, so I think we'll see a second. So this is really like a second tier worth of call-ups, in my opinion, yeah. um, of NXT, which is scary because you know they're not going to be utilized to their full potential. And I, so I see this trend can, This trend's going to get a little worse before it gets a little better. I think you have a lot of talent down there. Now you just hired a lot of talent. Matt Riddle's on the fast track. He'll be fine. Uh, they're not going to ruin Matt Riddle. Um, but I think this is kind of the... They're thinning out the herd, so to speak, bringing this up as enhancement talent in a sense. And then from there, we'll see some some decent call-ups back three-quarters of... Uh, of NXT, but this year has been a flop for sure. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm glad you agree. What is your number one low for 2018? So my number one low actually goes back to New Japan. So I know we've kind of been hitting uh, WWE a little bit. Yes, let's after. give them a break. <laughs> right, give them a break. And and I am passionate about New Japan the way I am WWE. But the lack of reverence that they've put into the IWGP US title has been something that it has stuck with me over the course of the entire back nine months of the year. So when they introduced this U.S. title towards the back end of 2017, you gave it to Omega in a fine tournament stateside. He went on against Beretta for the Jericho thing. Then he defended it against Jericho at at Wrestle Kingdom in 2018. He then lost it to Jay. And you're thinking, and I honestly thought, and this could just be my fault, um, that they were building this title to be something more than what it might actually be. Yeah. So my expectations were high. Then they come across. And so Jay had the title. He had three defenses on it, right? He had Hangman Page um, at Strong Style. uh, revolved or something like that. He had a tour show, and then he had um, against Punishment Martinez at War of the Worlds. Yeah. So he had three defenses on it, two of which weren't televised. Uh, you could catch them if you had New Japan World, but the, those two weren't televised, weren't marketed as well. Um, and then he loses it in a banger to Juice Robinson. Now, I have my own opinions about Juice Robinson, but. I'm not a Juice Robinson fan, but it's one of those things where, so he lost the juice and then from the time that he lost the juice, which was May, that title has not been successful or successfully defended. <laughs> now you've juice, got a point. Yeah. Juice has had a, had a lackluster run through the G1. I know they played up the hand. They what, So what they did so well in the Jay White fight um, back at Fighting Spirit really took a turn for the worse with regards to that hand injury through the G1. And I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to keep it so that he could take losses but be protected. Yeah. But it didn't translate, right, because he was losing so often. I think he only ended up with six points yeah. uh, through the G1. So now you've weakened the champion. But now you have all these people that – you could win it back with if you let him defend, but they don't do that. They then put him in a position against Cody. Cody wins the title. So now Cody's got two titles. Cody then goes on to lose the NWA championship with making the U.S. title look weaker, right? Yep. Then Cody gets hurt. 
So now, you know, nine months later, um, I'm sorry, there was a there was a staring contest with Joey Ryan. Yeah, I think Australia. Yeah, right. Where <laughs> it was defended. So I might be a little off. But, uh, you know, overall, here I am thinking that Western expansion, get this title, get the prestige behind it the way you would a, a, a IC title belt or the juniors. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be like a, like a heavyweight prestige yet. But you build a little bit of prestige, which I, the New Japan's so good at doing. And my fear lies in the fact that where I thought a certain way about this title for such a long period of time, is it really, do I need to reset my expectations that it's no more than the open, the never open weight title prior to Tai Chi and what it is now? And is it more like the, um, the trios title, right? Where yes. it's just another title that New Japan can shop out there. And when they're in the States, they can, they can showcase it in the States. And, and if it is, I'm going to have a huge problem with that. Yeah. So that's my number one. No, I, I completely agree with you there. And I'd throw in as well, the Intercontinental hasn't been used very well this year. Um, so here's the crazy thing. About, and again, I just, I get so amped about this. So I, I apologize for cutting you off. No, carry but, on. So the IC belt was put on was uh, was put on Naito. Uh, well, it was put on Naito, but it was uh, it was put on ice. Yeah. So that so they could build the U.S. title. Yeah. Right. But let me ask you: Going into Wrestle Kingdom, although that belt's been on ice for six months, going into Wrestle Kingdom, which one do you care about more? Oh, 100 percent the IC title. The IC title. Yeah. So you can afford to do that with a prestigious belt as you build this secondary yeah, secondary because it's got the history of of like nakamura um right holding and you, Tanahashi and you, and yeah. you know and you have these two but you shit booked juice when he got the title cody unfortunately busted out his knee thrown out a t-shirt yeah right and so now you're going into this and and so now they're rehashing that that rivalry uh the rubber match is that even a rubber i think it might just be a rematch going into wrestle kingdom and there is no interest whatsoever in 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 the U.S. title, but the IC title that's been on ice for six months. Well, that's all the rage, and what's going to happen there, and how the hell, how's that all going to play out? Yeah. And so, I just sit here, and it, I mean, it just pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> Not because I care that it's a U.S. title; you can call the title whatever you want. Although I do think it's a pretty title. Uh, it's gorgeous. It, I've held it as well. It's, oh. Have you really? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's it, it's gorgeous. It's uh, it's it's one of the prettier belts out there, but. It's just it just drives me crazy to um, to no end to think that this belt could be nothing more than a trios title in New Japan, and on some level it pisses me off. No, I completely agree with you. That's that's a great pick, actually. That's something I wouldn't have th- thought of, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yes, definitely, <laughs> um, great pick. Let's end on a massive high now. My number one pick for 2018, my top high for 2018 is the amount of unbelievable matches we have had this year i touched on it a little bit before with the g1 uh, we've mentioned quite a few of my favorite matches this year the the taiji shimori Hiromi match the almas johnny gargano match but new japan especially a lot of progress um i think of progress obviously you're not a, uh, an avid watcher of it but there was a incredible tag team match between LAX and CCK at chapter 80 um, and then they followed it up the next night with an almost just as good match um, with Ozzy Arrow 
and the amount of matches that I've seen this year compared to other years that have been like I've gone well that's one of the best matches I've ever seen the amount of times I've said that this year is too many but it's only a good thing obviously um, because we're seeing great matches um, and it's the takeover usually has a match of the year candidate at least one of them maybe two for every NXT takeover um, and that's been the same this year um, so for me number one I'm so happy to say that the amount of unbelievable matches that is by number one pick yeah I mean I agree with you 100% competent this, this is a perfect argument for why ring of honor is fine right the UK uh, as a whole, now that NXT UK is there, is fine. Yeah. Competition breeds competition. And the only people that get uh, rewarded in that situation are the talent with their paychecks and the fans for the quality of matches. Yeah, definitely. So I, I agree 100%. We've been spoiled in 2018 uh, with regards to talent elevating their matches. Yeah. It's been incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Let's hear it then, John. What is your number one top pick for 2018, your high? So my high, my number one um, uh, pick of 2018 is women's wrestling as a whole. Yes, I'm so glad you put it in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because I didn't. Now, women's wrestling, pick any promotion. Um, you can go with Eve, you can go with Stardom, you can go with uh, Wave, you can go with WWE, you can go with you can go with Ring of Honor women, women of honor, but they're they're still they're still building. Um, you can go with Wow, uh, which is coming to, coming to access in 2019. Uh, you can go in the independent scenes. You can go intergender. You can go Tessa Jordan and um, uh, Penelope Ford and what she did it all in. There has not been this much attention put on women's wrestling ever. And the fact that we're having discussions whether New Japan should bring women talent in, maybe they should partner with Stardom and, and Wave and Wrestle One, uh, All Japan wrestling, uh, Women's Wrestling, um, DDT's women's division, it, it, it doesn't matter. There is so much good women's wrestling. There's so much good talent out there right now. And the fact that people are taking interest in what these women are doing, uh, that isn't, um, I, I'll use the word diva-esque, but you can take it back to the Attitude Era, that isn't about that, Right but it's about the talent in the ring and then what they're able to execute. It's incredible um, across the board. The reason I promote women's wrestling as much as I do is because, so let's take it back to 1996 WCW Cruiserweight Division. For me, growing up through WWF, growing up through um, you know that era, Hold on. Whoops. Through um, through that era, there was one type of wrestling, right? Yeah. And so for me to be introduced to a cruiserweight division with uh, faster paced, more flips, some high risk stuff, um, it, 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 it satiated a side of me that I didn't know existed because there was variation. 
You take what the women are doing now. I don't care if they're they're running a match, an Iron Woman match. I don't care if they're doing a TLC. I don't care if they're uh, running a four-way elimination. They're going to throw a variation on it that you've never seen before. Yep. And as a wrestling fan, as someone who enjoys the product that is wrestling, to be wowed, regardless of gender, right, but to be wowed by or be impressed by the product in the ring, these women have been putting on clinics on how they've taken things. And I I, I guess a good example of what I'm trying to say is take Charlotte Flair's figure four variation into the figure eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Where she bridges it out. Ric Flair's not doing that. The nope. Miz isn't doing that. Cody Rhodes isn't doing that, right? And because of flexibility and because of ingenuity and because they're out there to prove things to the wrestling community, to be able to create different variations and moves uh, and move sets, uh, think Penelope Ford with her Matrix move it all in, uh, showcased for the world to see. Yeah, yeah. To be able to utilize that to create something different. I can't commend that um, enough. So women's wrestling as a whole, every promotion, every female wrestler out there, anybody who wants to be a female wrestler, and I can say female wrestler, but I mean wrestler, uh, out there, go do your thing because I'm enjoying it and I'm and I'm eating it up. Well said. That is a perfect way to, to sort of culminate our top five list. Um, women's wrestling to me has been incredible this year. One of my highs that i had to leave off was individual women's wrestler becky lynch and how outstanding everyone knows becky lynch is a great wrestler but the character how she is basically took every fan there's no one who doesn't like what becky lynch has done in the last sort of six months um she is the hottest thing in wrestling at one point i'd say this year um, which is outstanding for a women's wrestler to begin with anyway. And I think we are honestly on the cusp of... There could be a chance, John, that we're going to have a main event of WrestleMania end in WrestleMania with a women's match. And that is absolutely incredible. And And like you said, all those amazing different companies where they're having women's wrestlers putting on absolute clinics and the characters and now you're getting not only i'm going to chuck this into it as well women in wrestling as well so Mm -hmm. you're getting the backstage interviews with um the the characters that we're seeing you know the charlie caruso's that sort of person they're getting over as well we had renee young love or hate her on the commentary table what she's done to be the first ever women's commentator um alicia tout yeah misha tout yeah you know there's just so many great things for women in wrestling and women's wrestling um it's outstanding i'm loving it and the fact that when i'm going to wrestling events i'm seeing more and more women there um as well is is also right. a great thing and we've got some incredible women's women on the wrestling community that we we interact with every day and they're valued because their opinions are so well thought out and they bring a different side to what than what the men do which is great and yeah what a what an outstanding year for women's wrestling and women in wrestling in general perfect and and think about where it's going to go think yes. about 
so you have Sarah Amato right now. You have, um, you know, kind of doing her thing. But wait till you know, cheerleader Melissa retires. Wait, wait till um, Mercedes Martinez retires. And now they become, and again, those are just two examples, but wait till they become producers backstage, Yeah. right? And now they can take uh, new talent and, and, and educate men and women, mind you, right? But from a progression of the women's side, right? Now you take someone like an Ember Moon, right? Who has this natural raw ability and, and can do all these crazy things in the ring or a Zia Brookside. And, and they can say, okay, well, in my 20 years, here's what you should do here, right? And here's what you should do here. And now it's coming from somebody that they look up to, Right. That isn't, and again, it's not a knock on Dean Malenko, or it's not a, it's not a knock on uh, Road Dog, but to, to to do it from someone that they've looked up to, right? To someone that they had, who 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 may have been the reason that they got into it to begin with. We've only scratched the surface yeah. of of how this is going to progress. I mean, look what Miko's doing over in uh, Sendai Girls over in uh, Japan right now. Yeah, right. And she comes to the WWE. They partner up. Uh, WWE Japan with the Sendai girls, and then you can bring her influences in and, and her 20, 30 years in the business and to work with young raw talent the way the men do with the men. Again, you just, and not that it should be segregated. I mean, obviously, they can work with which each gender. That's not my point. My point is, is that you're adding a, a, a wrinkle of development that wasn't there, that's not there now outside of, uh, of a couple, right? But yeah. as years progress and the decades progress, you know, you're going to be able to build this into something more than what it was. And I, and it's so good right now. So, you know, the tremendous, tremendous work out of everybody in that field. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Well, John, that is our list. Um, what a great episode. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Did you enjoy that? Yeah, me too. I did. Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much for coming on and your continued support. Um, you, like I said in the introduction all the way hour and 45 back we've absolutely smashed the granny out of this we've gone you know this is this is absolutely flown by what um i mentioned in the intro you're a bit of a twitter god um with your tweets. i think that's a little little bit of an over exaggeration well but i do have fun on twitter i do yeah yeah you've, you're very good with the tweets Thank where you. can people find you on on twitter john so on twitter i'm at, at big pause on a pup and uh yeah i'm pretty much there 24 7 yep so give john a, a follow um you'll you'll soon realize what i mean by uh calling him the, the twitter god it's not just me who calls him that by the way I've, I've not just like brought that on him um today he's been called that many times before um <laughs> But now, thank you very much for for doing this end of year special. Um, I thought I think it went a lot better than what I even anticipated. That um, was great. I'm looking forward to 2019 in wrestling. I'm looking forward to getting you back on uh, the podcast because I value your opinions, um, and I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking to you today. So, um, thank you very much once again, John, for coming on. Hey, man! Thanks for having me, and uh, happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Goodbye, everyone, and good night bang what's up imlp and you are listening to wrestling luke omega podcast maybe i think i fucked it up but anyways you should subscribe 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.